Father, we pray you'd send uh, your spirit to clarify our hearts and minds, that you would build us up this morning uh, with a word directly from you. I pray, Lord, that as I speak, uh, you would speak, you would elevate, you would strengthen, and you would call. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, draw near to do business. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody says, nice to see ya. How you doing? Not very interactive this morning. So we need to warm up. Everybody roll your shoulders, crack your neck, crack your knuckles. <clears throat> Got to get our spirit flowing. Got to get the juices flowing. So I have a warm-up question for you. Go ahead and massage your scalp. Tell yourself to be brilliant. Here we go. What is something about you that is a little too extreme? I didn't hear that, but it sounded extreme. It sounded extreme. So just something about you that's a little bit extreme. I'll give you eight seconds to think about it. Something about you that, that even you think is a little too extreme. You know what I'm talking about? Go ahead. Think about it. Just a little too. This is not... This is not a hard warm-up question, is it? I think a lot of nodding heads. Like, this is an easy one for us, okay? All right. Shout out some examples. What's too extreme about you? Overshare. You overshare. First one to shout out. There you go. Yeah, yes, that makes sense. You overshare is a little too much. That makes, yeah. What else? Yeah, you're too shy. Exactly. Everybody's too shy. What is it? COVID? You guys were more enthusiastic before the pandemic. Yeah. You're a little too awesome and humble. And a little too, a little too humble. Exactly. All right. Get a spirit up. I have a part B to this question. And the part B is, what's something that's good and godly about you that you've taken a little too far? That is a little too extreme. There's a little paradox in that question, right? Because, well, I mean, it's good and godly. Can you have too much of a good thing? Well, I don't know. Just kind of get into the spirit. What pops into your head? Is there something good and godly about you that even you think is like, wow, I've, I've pushed on that. I've, I've taken it pretty far. I won't ask you to shout it out, but how many of you have something? You think, oh, yeah. All right. Six of us. Excellent. We're in this sermon series on um, how Jesus did it. You know, we are called to, to change the world, to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. The world has just gone through a fairly troubling time. We're clawing our way out of it right now. It would be great uh, if everyone in the church around the world was very transformative, was a world changer. Am I right? Everybody clap once so that I know you're with me and that you're listening. That would be a good thing. We want to change the world. How many of you want to change the world? How many of you want to change the world around you, the people around you? How many of you want to change your world, your life? And All right, all right. So that's the idea. And, and the, the thought is that if we're going to do that, how about if we do it like Jesus did it? 
There are lots of ways to change the world. There are lots of ways to change communities, and all sorts of people are trying to change communities in big ways right now. But how about if we take a step back and we follow Jesus' model? Because he's not just Lord and Master. He's not just the Savior, not just the Son of God. He actually came and lived on earth and walked stuff out so that he would be a model for us. We get to do what he did. So let's try to do it as Jesus did it. And so we've been talking about that. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the core of Jesus' transformative message and approach. Uh, <clears throat> We're uh, still kind of at the beginning of Jesus' life. Um, let's read a, a little verse to start from Mark chapter 1. Um, Jesus has just kind of come onto the scene. He's been baptized. He spent some time in the wilderness uh, working out spiritually, facing down temptation, making some strong choices for holiness. And then he kind of comes back to town. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. So he goes to his hometown proclaiming the good news of God. Have you heard that phrase before, the good news of God? Uh, some translations will say the gospel of God. You know, gospel just means good news. What's the good news of God? Shout it. He loves us. Salvation. He's with us. Well, this is how, this is how Scripture puts it. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news that Jesus spoke was about this thing called the kingdom. In fact, in Matthew, it's called the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that he loves us and that there is salvation. Part of the message but as Jesus framed it and spoke about it, and as, as his disciples and the apostles and the gospel writers framed and, and spoke about it, the good news was precisely this thing called the kingdom, the kingdom of God, or Matthew refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. That was the message. That was the message. Now, being humans over the centuries, particularly modern humans, we have tended to focus on the forgiveness salvation chunk of it. What's the good news? Well, Jesus died and will forgive you of your sins, so you get to live forever if you accept him as Lord. That's pretty good news. Eternal life, thumbs up, thumbs down, generally. All right, so that's pretty good news. But that's not what Jesus preached by and large. It's true, he said it, but that's not what he majored on. What he majored on was this thing called the kingdom of God. So if we want to preach and we want to minister, we want to message to the world as Jesus did, the thing that we should preach and communicate and demonstrate is the kingdom of God. Are you with me so far? That's what the Bible says. That's how Jesus did it. So it's not just a message about Jesus the Savior, although that's huge. Uh, not just about forgiveness. That's great. It was about the kingdom of God, and particularly the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is at hand, depending on your translation. The kingdom of God is with us, depending on your translation. That the kingdom of heaven is now here, and we have access to it. We get to see the kingdom of heaven on earth. Does that sound like good news? That sounds like good news conceptually. Um, what does it mean exactly? Because no one in the world had ever spoken about the kingdom of heaven on earth or the kingdom of God on earth before Jesus came. 
That was his kind of unique message. And when he said that to the nation of Israel, everyone went, huh, well, that's, that's new. What is that exactly? And uncharacteristically, Jesus did not have a short answer for it. He always had very short answers. He always boiled things down to simple bullet points. But when he talked about the kingdom of God, he talked endlessly and variously about the kingdom of God. More than that, he didn't just talk about it, he set out to demonstrate it. And really, the rest of his earthly life was about communicating, illustrating, making people understand what the kingdom of heaven was exactly. That's the best way I know to understand the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth on earth, right there. That's how he did it. Um, that word kingdom, uh, some old translations will actually use the word dominion, um, that which heaven dominates, or that which heaven controls, that which God controls. It's not a place, it's a state of being. I like the word order. If you're Blue Water veterans, you have heard me say this a lot. The order of heaven on earth is what Jesus preached. And then he went and demonstrated how the order of heaven can be manifest on earth. For instance, is there any sickness in heaven? Come on, we've done this before. Is there any sickness in heaven? So, where the order of heaven is manifest on earth, where it's demonstrated on earth, sickness goes away. You get to cure people, even supernaturally. Um, are there demons afflicting people in heaven? So, wherever we bring the order of heaven on earth, demons have to flee. They leave people alone. People get spiritually free from oppression and stuff like that. Is there poverty in heaven? No. So, wherever we manifest the order of heaven on earth, poverty goes away. We get to establish some justice. We get to provide for people, even miraculously on occasion, and as in the miracles of the loaves and fishes in the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you have, even if it seems like a little bit, becomes enough for whatever you need it to do. That's life in the order of heaven, because in heaven, nobody ever does without, right? Is there loneliness in heaven? So wherever we manifest the order of heaven on earth, we create fellowships and communities and families. Is there ignorance of God's love in heaven? No, so wherever we bring the order of heaven on earth, people understand that God is loving and gracious and forgiving, and that's a reality. They're not suspicious about him, but they accept his love and forgiveness. That's a moment we typically call conversion. That's a big deal. So, so that is the order of, of heaven on earth. That's what the order of heaven does on earth. Everybody following me so far? Let's do it. Come on. Hang with me, guys. Participate. Um, that's, that's what we do with the kingdom. How do you get into the kingdom? How do you flow in that beautiful order of heaven on earth? Well, that's the second question, and in some ways uh, a super important one, of course. How do you hold the order of heaven on earth? How do you live in the order of heaven while you live on this planet? How can you be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Who wants to know? Mildly enthusiastic. Okay, we're making progress. How do you get forgiven and get into eternal life? Actually, that's a fairly easy question to answer, and it's fairly easy to do because the gospel stories show again and again that forgiveness is ridiculously easy. 
that God will take almost any excuse to forgive someone, right? We see this in the, in the criminal that's hanging next to Jesus on the cross. He says, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus says, you're in. Today you will be with me in paradise. Like God is hair-triggered when it comes to forgiving people. We mess that up. We think that you have to say prayer a certain way. You have to really mean it. You have to go through this and that. It's like, no, no, God is almost automatic when it comes to forgiving. But how do you live in the order of heaven on earth? Okay, now that can be a bit more challenging, a bit more challenging. And if you don't do it well, earth might yank you right away from God, right? That's the battle that we're in because that earth is trying to dominate us as well. So how do you reside and move in the kingdom? Well, it turns out that there are lots of little sermonettes from Jesus about this. There are lots of parables about it, little pithy illustrations that Jesus shares. There are lots of interactions that Jesus has with people in the Gospels. If you're a student of the Bible, you know some of them, right? How many times does he say, ah, well, you're not far from the kingdom of God, or you're just starting to get hold of the kingdom of God. I love it. You know, that happens a lot when he was interacting with people because this is what he is constantly thinking about all the time when he interacts. Maybe my favorite illustration, what I think is at the core of all the parables, all the illustrations that he gives, comes from Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, uh, there are a couple of them that are very similar. So I'll read verses um, 44 and 46. Um, the most famous of these is the parable of the pearl of great price. How many have heard of that? The pearl of great price. There's another one that's just like it, very similar, uh, the treasure in the field. But it goes like this. Jesus is talking about the kingdom, as he constantly does. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Well, that's interesting. When a man found it, he hid it again, he protected it, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Well, that's interesting behavior, isn't it? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, like a businessman, looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, some translations will say great price, he went away and sold everything he had and bought this pearl. Well, that's really interesting. A merchant usually sells pearls for profit. This merchant sold his profit for the pearl. So very interesting illustrations, what's going on here. And, and often this is called, you know, the, the parable of the treasure, or the parable of the pearl of great price. And, and it's typical to talk about the obvious value of the thing that the man finds in these two parables. Like, Wow, think of how much worth, think of how valuable the kingdom of God must be for someone to give up everything in order to get it. Let's talk about how valuable the kingdom of God is. Um, I don't think that's a hard sell. How valuable is eternal life and omnipotent power and world-changing ability? How, how valuable is that? Okay, fairly valuable. How many of you think that's, that's really valuable, that it would be worth a lot? Okay, so I don't need to convince you of that. Um, I, I don't think it's about, I don't think it's about the price. 
I think it's about the attitude. I think this is an illustration of the attitude that you need to move and reside in the kingdom of heaven on earth. And, and I don't know how you would describe it. How would you describe an attitude where like, I find a treasure in the field, I not only buy the treasure, I buy the field. Like, I want everything that goes with it. I want, I want the whole ball game. And what am I going to do to get it? Whatever it takes, right? Everything. What do you call that kind of attitude? Extremism? Ex- extremism? What was that? Tenacious? Sure. What else? This is easy. Overshare. All in, thank you. You always count on that. Way to go, Mia. Wholesale. Who's got a thesaurus? It's extreme. It's radical. It's overzealous. It's too far. It's the ultimate. Over the top. Right? It's just, it's just, it's too. It's just too, too. Right? It's just too far. A little bit crazy. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm talking about. Right? And he tells these ridiculous stories in order to communicate this overboard. It's disruptive. It's incredibly inconvenient. It's excessive. It is immoderate. It is definitely immoderate. Overly dedicated. And when you think about it, maybe you Bible students, it will occur to you how often Jesus talked precisely about this sort of attitude. Uh, Matthew 13 is a great chapter for that. Luke 9 is a great chapter for that. If you want to just read one chapter, that's where he says, pick up your cross daily if you want to follow me. It's like, well, you know, you may have to die every day. Oh, good to know. And no one who sets his hands to a plow and turns back is worthy of the kingdom of God, can hang in the kingdom of God. It's like, you have to go, oh, that's tenacious, right? You have to go all in. You have to go overboard. Uh, Some guy comes up to him in Luke 9 and says, oh, I want to follow you. Let me go bury my father who just died. And Jesus says, no, nope, that attitude won't cut it, which is just like mean. That's just mean. That's crazy. That's over the top. But it was so important to Jesus that people appreciate the attitude that it takes to be kingdom transformational. Right? Let me go say goodbye to my family, says another disciple. Saying, no, that won't cut it. And he kind of sums it up with this very famous phrase. He said, whoever wants to save his life must lose it. Must lose it. They just, you have to be willing to lose your life. In order to save your life, you know, there's a paradox there. Jesus was really big on paradoxes. These are extreme statements about attitude. Not everybody literally has to die for the gospel, right? Not everybody has to literally give up everything they have for the gospel. But if you want to grip it, you want to cultivate extremity in, in your life. And I love the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl because it illustrates the attitude that makes the kingdom possible for you. It illustrates the attitude that makes world change possible for you. Life change possible for you. How do you change the world? How do you change the lives around you? How do you change your life? Jesus' answer is, at least first, you must be committed to it above all else. You got you to gotta really kind of go for it. You know, this is not something that you fit into your life. This is life. I mean, this is it. Uh, this is, 
this is not your side hustle. If you have a side hustle, that hustle has to be far to the side. This has to be the main deal. It's not a hobby. It's not a set of beliefs. It's not some tradition that you carry with you. The kingdom must be your life at all times, in all situations, with all people. It has to be at the forefront. Otherwise, you can't keep a grip on it. Otherwise, it slips away from you. And though you might talk about it and want it, you can't really move in it. You can't really reside in it. And you are a believer, but you're not really a kingdom practitioner at that point. You're not really being light and salt in the way that Jesus wants you to be. That's the message. Some of you might be thinking of another famous verse. Seek first the kingdom. And then all the other things will be added to you. But if you get that order wrong, well, that's not the order of heaven. And you have spread disorder on the earth. You're just part of the problem at that point, Jesus seems to say. You know, there'll be a season as you approach God and investigate God where you get to seek, you get to poke, you get to experiment, you get to dabble for a little while. But you can't really enter the kingdom until you're all in. And that's kind of a harsh message. And one that Jesus repeated all the time. You want to be forgiven? You want to get right with God? Easy. Easy peasy. You want to move in the kingdom on earth? (laughs) Not so easy. Not so easy. We have an old saying at Blue Water. We haven't used it in a while. Jesus should be easy to find. Hard to follow. But easy to find, and that's great. (laughs) That's worth celebrating. Sometimes I think churches get that backwards. They think that Jesus should be hard to find. Forgiveness should be hard to get. But once there, it should be easy to follow. All green lights and prosperity and, and convenience. Not at all what Jesus said. Jesus should be easy to find, easy to celebrate, easy to love, easy to receive comfort from him. But after that, I'm here to tell you, it might get a little bit challenging and extreme. And in fact, You know, it pretty much has to if you want to be super powerful world changers. So is that good news? Yeah? Good news? Challenging news? You'll notice that sometimes people walked away from Jesus when he explained it thoroughly, like the rich young ruler. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to give up all my money and give it to the poor? See ya. But he he was missing the attitude, right? Not everybody has to give away all their money, but he was missing the the attitude, the ingredient that would make him a a kingdom person. All right, so my job, our job at Blue Water Mission, the thing that we're actually pretty good at at Blue Water Mission is, is making this kind of stuff real. And I'm tempted to say to take these sorts of extreme things and make them practical for you. Except, of course, the word practical is a ridiculous word when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because what's practical about kingdom life? What's practical about selling everything you have to buy a freaking pearl? There's nothing practical about that. So I think properly it's, it's, it's more, more said like, our job is to make the impractical practicable. Right? Is that a fair summary of what Blue Water Mission does? We make the impractical seem doable. Right? That's kind of what we're about. Are you hanging with me? Or have you checked out? Are you with? Are you still in here? Because this is, this is a kingdom message. This is a kingdom message. And, and those things are, are bracing. Just, you know, we know that. Uh, those of us who actually try and walk it out. Whew, one of the reasons we love each other so much.
We're trying to make the impractical doable. In Luke 17, uh, when the religious rulers of the day asked Jesus, this kingdom you talk about, well, where is it? Point to it. When is it going to arrive? Right? Because they, they didn't like the message. And they were trying to tell him to prove it. And Jesus responded by saying, don't go looking for it. You don't say to the kingdom, oh, it's here or, or it's there. For the kingdom of God is within you. Some translations will say among you. But it's comprised in the hearts and the attitudes and the, and the daily doings of people. Right? It's not an institution or anything like that. Don't go looking for it. Cultivate it uh, from within. It's something that you can enter now with an attitude shift. You know what the best attitude is? You know what the name of the attitude is I'm talking about? Faith. Yeah, faith is, is an attitude. And if you have it, then faith means trying. You got to try things uh, by being all in. And by cultivating some sort of extremity in your life, by becoming inconveniently committed and enthusiastic about some good and godly things. And I think that's just a great application point for today. You know, we can kind of end on that. What is it about you that goes too far? You know, and I'm playing with that a little bit because on one hand I'm saying, well, if you've gone too far, you haven't gone too far. Right? You get it though, right? You get it. What have you taken too far? What has made your life a bit unworkable? What good and godly thing has made your life a bit unworkable? What good and godly thing has caused painful inconvenience for you? And probably for those around you. And thinking about that kind of question and having an answer to that kind of question, making progress on that side of kind of question, I think is a fantastic way to get a hold on the kingdom of God, to move into the neighborhood, and start flowing in that kind of transformation. Are you following me? So when I asked you that silly warm-up question at the beginning, well, I'm, you know, maybe it wasn't that silly. What, what have you taken too far? Now, we don't want to be uh, a zealous butthead for the sake of being a zealous butthead, right? That's not what I'm talking about. We are not a religious tribe. We are a Jesus tribe. It has to be good, which means it has to create goodness in the world around you, right? It's not Pharisaism we're after. It's not judgment that we're after. It's not holier than thou, righter than you we're after. But it's works of, oh, it's works of love, sacrifice, transformation.